What's up everyone welcome back to another week of the talk to you later podcast i'm your host Alyssa rigby and i've got a fun guest this week and i don't know i mean i know she's fun but like i know some of the topics we're going to talk about are a little bit not fun so i guess this is a trigger warning or just a warning in general for anyone who may be sensitive to certain topics such as sexual assault, rape, and issues like that. So if that is something that is sensitive to you, maybe wait for next week's episode and just skip past this one. Um, But I'm excited about this episode. Um, The guest I have on this week is Sydney Grigg. She and I met, I'm pretty sure we met in a student married ward, like forever ago probably like six years ago when Jeff and I first got married and yeah I mean (laughs) I think that I feel I feel like that's how we met I'll have to ask her when I talk to her again but yeah also I'm going to preface um if you can't tell by my voice I don't know how congested I sound but I have a cold I don't know I think I got COVID or the flu or something last Thursday so I've been sick almost a full week So it's been not fun, but I'm going to be sniffling a lot in this episode and I might cough here and there. So I'm just apologizing in advance because I know it's going to, I know it's going to be annoying. You're going to hear like, they're like, (laughs) so, so I'm sorry. I'm going to edit out as much as I can, but you know how that goes. Okay. Um, before I get Sydney on. I guess I don't really have any updates other than what I just told you about me getting the flu or COVID. I don't know. I honestly think it was COVID because I had, I've had COVID twice before that I actually like tested positive for and it felt pretty similar to that. I've just been so fatigued and like last Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I was so like my body hurt. I was just, my head hurt. I don't know. It was just awful. And now I'm congested, runny nose, cough, and I'm still freaking tired as hell. But, you know, we're on the up and up. So hopefully it just keeps getting better because I'm I'm sick of being sick. And I also hope that my kids or Jeff don't get it because uh, there's nothing worse than a sick kid. One, because you feel bad because, I mean, there's not much you can do to help. But two, it's hard on you as a parent because they're whiny they're tired, they're grumpy, it's just a lot, so I'm hoping that they don't get anything, um, knock on wood, um, yeah, so that's about, let's see, anything else I could think of, Jeff's parents came to town Thursday as well, yeah, they got here Thursday night, and they stayed with us for a few days for the weekend, and then, yeah, while they were here, Jeff and I Usually when our parents come down, they let us go out on a date while they watch our kids, which is super nice. I'm super grateful for it because that's usually the only time Jeff and I get to go out on a date alone. (laughs) So it was much needed. We actually, we went to Longhorn Steakhouse and I was expecting it to be kind of like a Texas Roadhouse kind of thing, but it exceeded my expectations. We got 
wings for our appetizer and they were so good. Like, I don't think I've had better wings before and they were so good. I'm trying to think. Oh, and there's steak. Jeff got a steak. I think he got the filet mignon and it literally, like, he didn't even have to use a knife to cut it. He just, like, pulled it apart with his fork and I was like, wow, like, this place has really outdone themselves. Um, so yeah, that's kind of all trying to think that's really all we did nothing too crazy um so yeah yeah like i said this week is a guest episode her name is sydney grigg if you don't know her go follow her on instagram yeah we're gonna be going over just kind of her life and some topics and then just yeah just her life story so let's get sydney on (laughs) okay everyone this is sydney so i'm gonna let her kind of introduce herself okay um my name is Sydney, and I guess I'll tell you where I grew up. I grew yes. up in a very small town. Is that where you want me to start? Yes, that's perfect. Okay. I grew up in a very small town in Utah called Blanding, and um, super cute people there. However, way too small for me. <laughs> um, Wait, where exactly I, is Blanding? I have, oh like, a gosh. general idea, but... um. Yeah, so it's basically an hour south of Moab. So Oh, okay. It's it's right in between Moab and the Four Corners. Yeah. And Lake Powell. So it's Okay. So, so like compared to St. George, is it like two hours? From St. George? Yeah. No, it's on the other side. So St. George is oh, in that one corner. Okay. Yes. In the other corner. So it's like six hours. Oh dang. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know it was that far. So it's like me driving to Logan, basically. Yes. Yes, that's exactly what it's like for you. Yeah. That's what it would be like. Um, And so that's where I'm from. I have one super cute sister. She lives in Arizona. Oh, fun. And she does, she works with a lot of cool people. She does like Polaris rentals. Oh, nice. And... So she has no fear, and I wish that I could be more like her. She is so cool. I'm not like that either. I would, no. Neither am I. She is, she is so cool. Um, I feel like I used to be that way, and when then I got older, and now my anxiety is, like, through the roof, and I'm like, I can't even go fast in a car anymore because I freak out. I'm like, I'm going to crash. Oh, me too. And so people that go out and they do jeeping and oh. razor riding, like my like my mom and dad and my sister do that. I can't do that because it scares me too yeah, much. Same. I couldn't do that. Yeah, the jeeping especially. I've seen people do that and they're like vertical. I'm like, how are yeah. you not rolling? How is that? That's yes. not making sense. Yeah, especially in um, Moab. My parents do Hole in the Rock every year. I don't know oh, if yeah. you've heard about uh-huh. that. Um. But they do that, and that is even scary for me. I don't think that I would do that again. Oh, I don't think I could do that at all. Oh, scary. And how, so she, is she younger than you or older than you? She's two years younger than me. Okay, nice. And then, so so just the one sibling. Mm -hmm. And she lives in Arizona with her, um, with her girlfriend, who's my favorite. And then they have three dogs. Oh, I love dogs. You have one dog still, right? I have one dog and I want three more. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I'm trying to convince my husband now because we have a little dog, but I'm like, I want a big dog. I feel like bigger dogs are yes. just more 
like cuddly and oh my gosh. friendly. Like I love our dog, but he wants nothing. I got him like for my anxiety and he uh-huh. literally doesn't <laughs> do anything. I'm like, you literally make my anxiety worse. You don't want to sit by me on the couch. I'm like, why do you hate me? Like, what's your deal? <laughs> so I want I want a bigger dog. But we'll no, see. it really, it really is true though. Graham's a bigger dog, and he is the most lovable thing on the planet. He's so cute. All the pictures you post of him are cute, and he's okay. So he is uh not like a hound dog. What is he like a? Yeah, he's a mix between a German pointer and a wire hair. Okay, so nice. he's for sure a bird dog. He's, he's a big bird dog. Yeah. It's like, I'm sure you've met Jaden's dog, Jaden and Carson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he is like Gunner and Tom. Yeah. <laughs> They're so, I love Gunner. I don't know what it is about him. <laughs> Every time I look at him, I'm just like, Gunner, I love you. <laughs> Isn't he the sweetest thing ever? He really is. And Tom's just wild. I love Tom too, but he's definitely, like, I feel like their personalities are so different. They are. Graham and Tom used to play when they were smaller puppies. Mm-hmm. And I I still remember how small Tom was. Oh, he was so tiny. He was so he cute. He was a, a baby baby. Uh-huh. He's so and cute. that's my favorite thing about that breed when they're little, like um, Graham and them, is their ears are so much bigger than they are. And mm-hmm. so Graham, Graham would trip over his ears all the time as a puppy. <laughs> and it was, it was the cutest thing ever. That is so cute. <laughs> I so love cute. that. Okay, so when did you move from Blanding? Um, let's see. When did I move? I, oh, that's a loaded question. I <laughs> moved, crap, I don't remember. I know that I left after high school. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to Blanding after my mission for a little bit, mm-hmm. for like a few months. And then I've been in Logan ever since. And your family, like your mom and dad, are they still in Blanding? Oh, yeah. I okay. think they're going to be in Blanding forever. Forever. Okay. Yeah. And so where did you serve your mission? I went up to Washington State. Oh, cool. The most I, beautiful I, place ever. Yeah, my grandma yeah. lives up there. Yeah, so I was, my mission was the Everett mission. So it was right north of Seattle. Okay. And so we went north of Seattle up to the border of Canada. And okay. then there's those few really cute islands off of Washington. And uh we covered those on my mission too. I never went to those. Yeah. But they were Washington in general is a drop dead gorgeous place. It is so pretty. It's, I don't it's beautiful. It is so beautiful. But I don't know if I could live there. I like visiting. I just feel like the rain and like the gloomy weather. I like it to an extent, <laughs> but like I feel like if I lived there, I would just be so depressed. <laughs> like I need sunshine. But it is really pretty. Yeah. Every time I go there, it's so green and so many trees. Yes. Yeah, I think that kind of offset the seasonal depression when I was there because it was always green. Yeah. So even though it was gloomy a lot and it got dark early, yeah, it was there were still so many trees and it was always green. Then it never felt too dead. I guess that's where, true. Because yeah, in Logan, when it's winter, Utah, yeah, in Utah when it's winter, you it like everything feels dead. Yeah, it's just ugly. <laughs> yeah, it's like not a pretty like winter, especially yeah. last winter was gross. So oh, I'm glad I was down here for last winter. Every time I would call or like FaceTime <laughs> anyone up, they'd be like, oh, it's snowing again. I'm like, oh my hell, I could not do that. I'm like, I cannot. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to stay I my was, 60 degrees. 
I was dying. It was June and it was still so cold Ooh. and it was raining. And I was like, I, I'm going, I'm going to commit myself yeah. into a psych ward <laughs> if this goes on any longer. Yeah, it's so bad. Ugh. I know Jeff and I talk because we want to, he wants to move back to Cache Valley after school and everything's all done. And I'm like, I don't know. Don't I'm like, do it's it. kind of, <laughs> I know. I'm like, it's kind of nice being away from winter that lasts six months. I'm like, I like yeah. winter for a couple months. I can handle snow and cold for a little bit. But beyond that, I'm done. Like, I need to have some sort of, like, sun and warmer oh weather. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then, you like, you grew up in Cache Valley. So you mm-hmm. know that after a while, when it's been winter for six months, you just want to see the ground. And you oh, just yeah. want to see grass. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. No. I know. That's why I'm like. Crazy. Oh, I know. He loves snowmobiling. So I'm like, dang it. I'm like, why do you have to love <laughs> the freaking worst, like, snowy winter sport there is? I'm like, can you do something? Like, That's what about. so. Bi- I'm like, what about biking? Isn't that similar? <laughs> like, yeah. Can you do like, something else? Or hot tubbing. Yeah, yes, you know? for real. Like, do something else. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, That's so we'll, hilarious. We'll see where we end up. So, what, back to your mission. You were in, were in Washington. Did you like your mm-hmm. mission? Okay, I will put it this way. I adored the people that I met. Like, absolutely adored them. There were so many cool people that live up there. Mm-hmm. And then... There were a couple companions that I really clicked with and that I've stayed really close to still. And so for that reason, I really loved it. And then there were some really good skills that I learned, right? Like how to communicate with a variety of personalities. Yeah, for sure. And just like how to make it through the really hard days is probably the biggest takeaway that I got from it um I don't think I would ever go on another one Mm -hmm. um but I'm still really glad for the people that I met yeah for like some of those cool experiences that I had yeah you know what I mean yeah for sure I feel like that's a lot of like when I ask people about their mission I feel like a lot of responses are that way like they learn Mm -hmm. so like even Jeff he's like I think a mission would be good for a lot of people because you learn one, like how to be responsible and be on your own. And then two, yeah. just kind of like just see how the world is and how other people are and how to communicate and talk and be around different people. Especially oh, totally. especially when you're from Utah. I feel like Utah's such a bubble that it's like shocking when you even leave the state and you're like, oh, not everyone is the same as me. <laughs> it's like so yes. weird. Yes, but you know what is so weird? I only had... I only had two companions that were not from Utah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's kind of surprising. So it's kind of weird that the Utah bubble still follows you yeah. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, now is kind of nice because the, like, the two companions that I stayed really close with, um, they're from Utah. And yeah. so it makes it super easy to see them. Yeah. But yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that until... You just barely yeah. said that about the Utah bubble. And I was like, wait, holy crap, that's so weird. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. That is surprising. I was going to say, yeah. even though, actually, that is kind of similar, because Jeff served in Madagascar, and he said a lot of his companions were from Utah, too. Really? In yeah. Madagascar? Yeah, he had some that weren't. Like, he had one that he still is good friends with that was from Texas, but he had two other ones. I know that there was more, but two that he's still close with that are from Utah. 
And I'm like, oh, that is kind of weird. Yeah, you're like clear across the world, and yet you still get most from Utah. (laughs) Like, that's so random. That is so funny. Okay, next question. So, you and Paul got married. Yes. When did you get married to Paul? We got married in September 2017. Oh, okay. You got married the same year as Jeff and I. We got married in July. So, yeah. Yeah, so just a little bit after you. Nice. Um, how did you guys meet? Okay, so we met up. Paul tells the story way cuter than I do. <laughs> um, but we met up here at school, basically. So we met in class. Oh, cute. On, during the first week. And then my grandma at the time was in an assisted living. <gasps> That's right. I remember yeah. this because him and Jeff worked together. Yes, they did. They Why did I at, forget about this? Yeah, isn't that funny? That is funny. So, I went down to the assisted living one night to see my grandma, and that's when I found out that Paul was the uh, director of nursing down there. Mm-hmm. And so he had been the the one that was taking care of my grandma, and I had never met him until yeah. I met him in school. And then, yeah, and so it was kind of after I saw him interact with my grandma, and he's just such a nice like just a genuinely nice kind he person. He really is. Yeah, he really. But is. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I could totally be into this. You and know? especially when he's taking care of your grandma, like there's nothing sweeter and like more attractive oh than gosh. a guy like being sweet to someone you love. And you're like, oh, it's like kids. It's like when I saw Jeff yeah. with all his nieces and nephews. I'm like, yep, I'm ready for babies. Like, let's do it. No, it was so funny because up and up until I met Paul. My grandma called him Paul. And uh-huh. then it's almost as if right when we started dating, my grandma totally forgot who he was. <laughs> and she would be like, Sydney, where's your hoochie? Like, she started calling him my hoochie. <laughs> and I'm like, do you mean Paul? And she's like, yeah, your hoochie. <laughs> and it was so funny. That's what she called him. I love that. After we started dating. And I have no idea why. No that idea. That's so funny. Yeah, she's like, when he's working, it's Paul. But when he's with you, it's hoochie. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, what a random, what a random name, that is but so it's funny. okay. <laughs> so did you guys get married in Logan or did you get married somewhere else? No, we got married in Burley, Idaho of all stinking Oh my places. gosh, I know where that is. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so um, is Paul from there? No. Oh, it's Paul's random. From, no, Paul's from Boise. Okay. And... He was shooting a wedding because remember how he used to do photography yes, when we uh-huh. were in school? Yeah. He was shooting a wedding at the cutest ranch in Burley, and I went with him. Wait, is it the and Sunrise P River yes. Ranch? Okay. Yes. <laughs> My grandparents, like some years, we've gone there like probably four times for Christmas. They like give it to us for Christmas, and we all go up there as a family. Yeah, That's so isn't funny. It cute? <laughs> it's so cute. Oh my goodness. So we were there for a wedding, and I was like, okay, this place is actually adorable. Yeah. And we had been already talking about getting married and everything. And so I saw that place and I was like, no, I totally want to get married here. And so then I asked her the dates that she had available. And September 9th was one of them. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's book it. Yep, you're so we, yeah. <laughs> and so but that's why we got married in Burley. And it was, it's such a cute place. Everyone really needs so to go cute. there. It is so pretty too. Like, the yes. river's right there, like literally right yeah. there in the big grass area. Yeah, it's so pretty. And they do such a good job at maintaining it. Oh, yeah. But it is so cute. And at night when they have all the lights on and the barns mm-hmm. are open. Yeah, the barn is There's cute nothing too. cuter. 
it is so cute i didn't know that you yeah. got married there that's so cute yeah yeah that's funny. i like that you know where it is though. oh yeah when you said burley i'm like i wonder if it's at that river <laughs> ranch because i'm like i have been there like four or five times and i knew that's that they did so weddings funny. so i'm like i wonder if that's it yeah that's funny yeah that's the place that's hilarious so you got married in burley and then we did. so what year of college did you meet him oh crap um I met him my junior year. Okay. And then what were you going to school for? We both were going to school for political science. Oh, nice. And then did you, you didn't stick with that, did you? I did. Is that what, okay, wait, so what's mm-hmm. your job? Okay, so I did my bachelor's in political science, both okay. Paul and I did. Uh-huh. And then we both did our MBAs. Oh, okay. Maybe that's where I'm getting confused. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So then we both did that. And then now I work as an auditor. Okay. Nice. And so did you date anyone before Paul in college? Um, I went on a lot of dates in college, met a lot of like cute people, met a lot of weirdos. Yep. <laughs> went on a lot of sketchy Tinder dates. <laughs> I was and... always such a baby with Tinder dates. I had Tinder and like I would message guys here and then they'd be like, we should go out and get ice cream this weekend. I'm like, I can't, I'm sick. <laughs> like I'm gonna get murdered. <laughs> no, I went on a couple dates and I wasn't a true crime fanatic like I am now. Yeah. And so I think back on some of the Tinder dates and just, like, random dates that I went on. Uh And I was like, holy cow, that (laughs) could have ended in a Dateline episode. It's so, uh, yeah, I know. I I wasn't really big into true crime either. I think most of it was just, like, social anxiety. And I'm like, I'm going to poop my pants if I go to ice cream (laughs) with this guy. Like, I cannot risk that. And so I just would, like, decline every date that (laughs) I would come across. I'm like, why am I even on the app if I can't? If I'm not gonna like go out with anyone, it's because it was just fun to swipe. It really, yeah, it really was. (laughs) Like, I didn't even have any like. I wasn't even planning on actually meeting someone on Tinder. Yeah, it was just the app that everyone was using, and it was just fun to swipe. Yes, it really was. That was the enjoyable part. So when you and Paul met in college, did he come up to you during? Oh wait, no, 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 no. No, because we met in class. Yeah. Yeah. So did he come up? to you or did you go up to him no i i think that i introduced myself to him because okay for me to pay attention and to not get distracted and also for me to not feel shy to make comments in class i have to sit up front yeah or else i get like a lot of anxiety and i get too shy to like speak up or ask questions or whatever Uh so i would always try to sit up front and I introduced myself to him in hopes that if I was nice to him, then he would, like, get out of my seat because yeah. he was sitting where I wanted to sit. Okay, please, so that's, so that's how we... <laughs> that was my initial... Um, that's so funny. ...reason. Yeah, like, maybe if I'm nice, he'll recognize that this is my spot and he'll <laughs> get my off. My official unassigned spot on the first that's week so of class. That's so funny. I love I that you know. sat in the front. That was so not like me. I was always in the back because I'm like, the further away I am, the further away the teacher can't, like, he can't call on me back here. Or if he does, like, <laughs> like hopefully no one will, like, turn around and stare <sighs> at me. I know. Uh, I would just get too anxious and then if I had comments my my thought was if I'm in the front of the class then I can't see everyone turn around to look at me yeah when I that's say something. true 
That's true. I never, I never would have the balls to raise my hand in class. I never would. I would just be like, please someone ask a question that I'm thinking because I am not brave enough to do this. That's No, I totally get that. I get that feeling. That is funny. Okay, so let's talk about your job since we're talking about college. So where do you work? I work in Salt Lake still. Nice. And what is it? What's the place you work for called? So now, now I actually work for Salt Lake County. Oh, okay. So I work um, in Salt Lake for the county and it's amazing. It really is. People are so nice where I work. Yeah. And they're so good at just like being really consistent in how they treat you. That's good. And so I go to work every day knowing what to expect. Yeah. And like knowing the attitude of the people that are going to be there. And everyone is just really respectful. And I I appreciate that so, yeah, so much. Yeah, awesome. That makes working so much better. It really is. It's a big deal. It, was, it, it really can so... make a difference in, oh, in yeah. your personal life, which I don't think I like realized in college mm-hmm. how big of... Of, of, of an impact that would have oh it's so true i've had jobs where i like my coworkers, and others where i'm like annoyed and like going to work is the worst when you hate who you work with it is awful it's like really yeah. i have to spend well, my whole and, day with you yeah and it can get overwhelming too like if you don't know the the mood or the attitude that your boss or your supervisor is going to have that oh, day yeah it kills my anxiety oh, so yeah. i'm so glad to have like a good consistent yeah workplace and people yeah that's awesome okay so let's get into church and religion because i know yes so on your instagram you've talked about it a little bit relating to like your past experience so would you consider yourself still active or where would you say that you stand church wise that is such a hard question it is hard it's yeah it's such a hard question because, like, growing up in the church, religion is so much a part of you mm-hmm. and, like, the values that you're instilled with. And then that determines the people that you want to be around and the people you have in your life. And Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And so... It really does become your life. Like, it really is just, like, your whole... Yeah. Like yeah. you said, like, your whole circle is church yeah. and, like, people that you know also go to church or are in your same ward or young women's or relief society or whatever. Yeah. Like in every area of your life, that is a tie, mm-hmm. you know, but after my, after my sexual assault in college, mm-hmm. I've, I've had a really, really hard time with it. Yeah. With, with religion in general. And so it's really, really hard. Would you say, would you say you have a hard time based off of, how leaders responded to you or just uh like other things yeah mainly that but then also mainly how i i saw firsthand how a lot of abuse is hidden yeah. in the church yeah for sure and how that's just how that happens so often yeah and how a lot of that is to protect the man Mm-hmm. in this in this circumstance or the abuser yeah and that is something that i have such a stinking big issue with yeah and so after being in that spot and then being told that like 
you just like the okay so the the line that runs in my head a lot is right after I told my bishop about it because my parents were out of town and so I was like okay well I've been taught my entire life that your bishop is there for you and that your bishop will help you like access the atonement and access Jesus Christ right yeah yeah so that was my train of thought and so then after I went and talked to my bishop and then he was like, wait, are you sure that you didn't just make a mistake? Because like oh a gosh. lot of, like a lot of girls make mistakes. And I was like, wait, You're is this what you, okay. yeah, I was like, is this what you tell everybody, oh you know, gosh. like that, yeah. it's the, that it's the girl's fault. And he just kept saying like, no, I know that guy. Cause he's, he's a really good guy. So I'm sure oh. it was a mistake. Oh, I'd be livid. Yeah, and just like I know. So let's okay, sorry, I should have maybe started this way. Do you wanna kind of share not I mean you don't have, you could be as specific or un as un non specific as you want, but like do you mind like saying how old you were or just kinda how it went down? Like just kind of the experience of it all and then we'll kinda go yeah. through uh more like yeah. church and how they handled it. Yeah, so basically I was sexually assaulted my sophomore year in college. Mm -hmm. And when I was trying to sort everything out, like I did everything you were supposed to. My parents were out of town, mm -hmm. but I called them and told them. And they were like, well, we can't, like our, our flight doesn't leave for a few more days. So I took one of my dear friends to the doctors with me and we did like that whole awkward exam that you have to do. Yeah. And then that is the most awkward thing you'll ever do ever. Oh, like I'm it's sure. already not fun. And then they're like, oh, well, we don't know anything about this person. And I'm like, cool, well, neither do I. Yeah. And so that's when you have to go through the awkward process of like the exam. And oh. then they give you basically all of the antibiotics and pills you'll need yeah. as if you got like a, an STD or yeah, an STI. Like preventative, I guess. Yeah. So was this kid, I'll, did you know, uh, sorry, did you know, was this just like a first date with this person or did you know no, them? I had known him. I had hung out with him a couple times. He was in my ward. Okay. Which is also why I had such a big issue when it came to the church. Yeah. It's like how it was brushed off. Mm -hmm. And so um, I... Like I said, I had gone and talked to my bishop, and he was like, oh, no, so he's a good guy. This wouldn't happen. Oh, my gosh. Blah, 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 blah. And I was just so put off by that. I was so upset. And it made me feel really, like, it made me feel gross, and it made me feel even dirtier than well, I felt. And it's hard because you're going in there looking for help, and you would think that your bishop would be like oh my gosh i'm so sorry are you okay do you need help but like yeah, when he exactly. instantly goes to the guy's defense if i were like looking back if i was still like however if i was younger me i probably would have done similar like felt bad about myself and been like oh maybe it maybe it was my fault but now if if, if a bishop if i were to go in now and say something <laughs> and he said that to me i would go off i'd be like are you kidding <laughs> I'd be yeah. like, you know what? Exactly. Uh, My reaction now would be extremely different. Yeah. Than what it was years ago. Mm -hmm. And so then I said, um, we were talking and I said, well, I don't feel comfortable. Like, I don't feel comfortable coming to church. I want to yeah. move wards, obviously. Yeah. And he said no. And 
he was like, we have boards for a reason. And I said, great. Well, like, are you trying to justify this? Like, it just didn't sit right with me. Yeah. So then I made an appointment with the stake president because he said that if I really wanted to move wards, then it would have to be approved by the stake president. Yeah. And, but, um, and I'm pretty sure it was my bishop who, like, he didn't believe me to begin with, like I said, and he took my recommend away. <gasps> what? Yeah. And that oh made me gosh. feel like, whoa, did I do something wrong? Like, was this me? You know, like, yeah, that's did, not I, right. did I really do this? So I, I was... Um, I went and talked to my stake president and I already didn't want to be in a room alone with a man mm-hmm. after, Yeah. but they like, that's just like, they don't let anyone go in there with you Yeah. or they didn't let anyone come in with me. So I had to go in there by myself mm-hmm. and I was talking about it and he gave me this huge lecture on why Joseph Smith initiated wards and how they're here to serve everybody and it's the only way that the bishop can can keep track of people and then he was like if you really have faith then you'll go back to church and you'll let this young man pass you the sacrament to show your faithfulness no way and i was like no no i'm not not doing that oh my gosh it was just so much of like the man he didn't do anything wrong you well, yeah know? that's what i was gonna like, ask like did they ever like do you know if they ever talked to him or if like he ever had any sort of consequence for it i don't think he did because when i was talking to the bishop he was like i've had a few girls say this about him but i just he's a good guy so i don't see him doing this and you're not that doesn't raise a red flag that more than yeah. one person has said this about him oh my god yeah isn't that gross yeah oh my gosh that is and, yeah, but the the creepiest part that I still think about with my stake president, and I remember telling my dad this, is after he had talked and he was like, well, yeah, so I'm not improving you to move wards and you need to go back there and blah, 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 blah. Then he like leaned into me because we were s- sitting across from each other yeah. just on chairs. Like he wasn't behind his desk. Mm-hmm. And this cringy old man put his hand <laughs> on my knee. No. And he was like, but you're a very pretty girl, so I can understand why you would get in trouble. (gasps) Are you kidding? No. Oh. And I got, like, physically ill at that point. Oh, that's so gross. Because it hadn't even been a week since this happened. Yeah. And you're already, like... Yeah. Traumatized and yeah. going in and, and doing had, all this. Oh my god. And I had just had like the rape exam at the doctor's yeah. where you're already like violated again. Oh like it feels very violating that experience does. Oh yeah. And then to have your stake president be like advanced like that, it was it just was gross. It was yeah. really gross. And so then I asked for like counseling because the church provides counseling. Mm-hmm. But he said no because I was in the wrong. They wouldn't approve me for what? counseling. Did they ever say why? Like, why did, did they, like, explain why you were in the wrong no. or why they took away your temple recommend? No. And I don't remember the exact conversation, but I remember my bishop saying something that he had, like, contacted legal, like, their legal hotline or something. What? And that is when I felt, like, such a liability. Yeah. If, if I if they had a 
call legal before the stake president would talk to me, then I was like, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. No, that. And, and it felt the furthest thing, like thinking about it now, I, I think, okay, so you're telling me that in God's church, if he was there with you in the room when I was trying to have this conversation with you, that you would have reacted the exact same way and said the exact same things that you said to me, you know? Yeah. No. Oh or like, gosh. if this was your daughter going through it, you would have. You would have been like, oh, I know this kid. He's a good kid. (laughs) Yeah. And you would have been okay with her bishop telling her the exact same thing. Oh, my gosh. That makes me so mad. Like, my palms are sweaty. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know. And so I just felt super stuck. Like, I didn't feel like I had a place to go. And I had an amazing um, other YSA bishop in an old ward in Logan that I was in. Mm -hmm. And so I try to go to him. And I told him, and he just cried, and he said, I am so sorry. As he should. That's how it should have been. Yeah. And he was like, you can come here as a visitor, but I can't be your bishop. Like, I can't counsel you like a bishop. I can't help you get counseling because, like, that has to be approved. And so I just felt like I wasn't wanted in the church. Yeah. And I didn't feel like I even had anywhere to go for solace because they took my temple recommend away. And I didn't feel like I had anywhere to go to take the sacrament because I'm like, I'm not going back there. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. My whole journey of like my clash with the religion that I used to love happened was (laughs) obviously through that experience. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. Now it's okay because I've done so much work to be like, I wasn't in the wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No way. Yeah. But definitely back then and for years after, I felt like I was. Yeah. Well, yeah, you feel that way, especially when people make you feel like they did. Like they take your temple recommend away. They say, oh, well, I know this kid. He's a good kid. And Mm -hmm. I don't, not, they didn't necessarily, I don't know if they did this or not, but like they basically said, I don't believe you because i know him (laughs) yeah and and it's just i don't care how well you think you know someone you you don't always you really don't like yeah people can hide their deepest darkest secrets very well and it's scary so it's like you have to just because you may not have seen that side just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean that it's not there exactly and so that's super frustrating now when i try to talk about it and people are like well, just trust in God because, like, he'll He'll make it right. And I'm like, okay, but here's the thing. When I was going through all of this and I was talking to my bishops and I was trying to, like, find a place in this church, like, Jesus, the, the name and the talk of Jesus never came up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, not once. Like, his name wasn't mentioned once. I never heard... God loves you. Jesus loves you. Like, I never heard that. Yeah. The only things I heard was, um, like, anything but that. Like, you are in the wrong. You made this man do this. Why did you do this? You are not faithful. Like, those are the only things that I heard. Like, I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear any talk of. Like, uplifting anything? (laughs) Yeah. Like, And so then I'm like, well, why should I continue to have this? this like devotion and why should I continue to participate in a church that 
like wasn't there for me when I needed it most. Mm-hmm. When I had literally given everything to this stupid place. Well, yeah, yeah, like, you served I a, went mission. On a mission. Yeah. Even when I was a poor college student, I paid my tithing. I did my visiting home teaching. I like just like the very small things. Like yeah. I always fed the missionaries. Like I don't know. I just felt like I always gave 110%. And then the one time where I was in like truly dire place I became more of a liability and a problem than like a child of God yeah that's crazy and so now when I think about religion I'm just like I don't like I don't think I'll ever fully participate in any religion ever Mm -hmm. again yeah because I'm like no I've seen how like men and like religion I don't know if they can ever truly coexist oh I don't I don't I yeah I agree I I don't I've had this talk especially about bishops because I've had a bishop before that told me to stick with someone who was not good at all but he said it's because we had the same end goal and I'm like okay no I'm like (laughs) <laughs> okay, but he's literally like he's going to prison. And like I was like I was like you. I was kind of lost and I'm like okay, well everyone tells you growing up that a bishop is like guided by God and will know yeah. what to say. He's led by the spirit. So I'm like okay, I'm going to go yeah. to him and ask for help. And that's the help he gave me was to stick by this guy's side who was clearly not good for me or anyone else. And exactly. I'm just like, that's what made it hard for me because I'm like, okay, my bishop's telling me this, but like my parents are telling me to get rid of him. But I'm like, okay, but the bishop's like, he's got the yeah. priesthood, like the keys, like whatever, like he should know yeah, more than anyone. Also, that's also the confusing thing is people will still tell me, oh, well, like the people in the church are perfect. But and like he was just talking to you as a man. And I'm like, no, but that's not fair. No. Because you, like, it's not fair for other people to decide when a bishop is talking to you as a man Uh versus when he gets to talk to you as, like, an inspired person of God. Because that is some mind whip that is not fair. It's so bad. And I've talked about this with Jeff and, like, a bunch of other people. And it's like, how do you know when they're speaking as themselves or speaking for God or whatever? I'm like, how do you know? And it bothers me, like, when they say... When it's something good and, like, that people like, it's like, oh, yeah, that was definitely from God. But they say exactly. one thing that's wrong and it's like, mm, no, he was probably just being a man. It's like, yes. oh, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, like, that. that is not an acceptable answer to me Yeah, I agree. All. And so I'm like, mm, no, if, if you're going to pick and choose what is inspired and what's, like, what some homeboy is just saying, yeah. then I'm going to go with the idea that, like, none of it was actually from God. Yeah, it's like, you can't pick and choose, but I can't pick and choose. It's exactly. Like, how does that work? You're like, no. No, uh, thank you. Oh, so, yeah, so religion and me are in a really, really weird place. Yeah. Because now, I like, I don't trust men, and yeah. I definitely don't trust priesthood leaders, because yeah. I'm like, no, no. So then that's kind of led to an entire distrust in the church in general for me. Yeah. Because I'm like... I, I've seen it act so much as like a business and an organization mm-hmm. more than I've seen it, or at least not more, but like in the crucial times of my life, it's acted towards me as a business trying to reduce its liability. Yeah. Then it has acted as a church for God. 
Yeah, which is super frustrating. Yeah. Ugh, I'm sorry. I know how I know how you feel with I mean, I've had similar experience, but also just with like going through religion and what you believe and what you don't and why it makes you upset or why you don't believe in any it's just so it's so hard so like it really is (laughs) i i know how you're feeling it's so and it's hard too because you'll get people that are just like oh well you need to just have more faith and you need to read into (laughs) certain things i'm like you don't think that i've had faith doing this like i've tried my whole life having faith i'm like it's obviously not working out anymore for me yeah and i'm like also it's not fair for other people to tell you but no like about your faithfulness and that's why it was also really hard for me to wear my garments after because i'm like well they didn't protect me Mm -hmm. when i needed them and i had worn those stinking things like extremely faithfully yeah and then you because you always hear stories growing up of how like someone was in a car crash or someone was in a fire or they got bit by a dog and their skin was saved like where their Mm -hmm. arms were yeah and so then I was like, okay, well, that didn't happen for me. So was I not like good enough? Was I not worthy enough? Did I like, you know, just like all of these things. Which is such a, uh, <clears throat> what's the word? Like almost gaslighty thing to say, because it's like, yeah. then it makes you think, oh, maybe I'm not doing enough. Maybe I need to pay more tithing or I need to do more service yeah. or I need to like do more in my calling or whatever. And it's like, you can't, you can only do I mean, really, there's nothing you can do. I think, at least this is my belief, life is just life, and it'll happen to you, and yeah. some things suck, and I don't think it's God being like, oh, look, you didn't do this, so I'm punishing you for it. Like, I just don't think that's yeah. how it works. Yeah, I definitely see life more as a series of decisions, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that one decision is better than the other, because at the time, you're just working with the information you have. Yeah. You know, so you just got to do your best in the moment. And I really do think that for the most part, people do try to do their best and they're doing what's best for them. And I wish people would be more accepting and respecting, respectful of that. Because I feel like when you tell people that, oh, I'm having a hard time with the church right now or I'm figuring out what where I stand, they automatically get so defensive and they're like, oh, well, have you read your scriptures? Have you prayed about it? It's like, (laughs) have you done all these things? Like, okay, first off, like it doesn't it shouldn't matter to you what I am or am not doing. But like what should matter to you is like how I'm feeling. Like when does someone ask like, oh, that must be really hard. Like, are you okay? Do you need anything? It's like instant. at least my experience, it's instantly like, well, have you prayed about it? It's like, have you tried shutting up? Yeah, like, it gets very, like, the, yeah, like you said, very defensive. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I try to talk about it. But here's also the weird thing I've noticed is that when I get vocal and I talk about it, all of my Mormon friends get extremely quiet and they won't, like, yeah, engage with me on social media. Yeah, that's hard. Like it gets it gets very loudly silent. Yeah. Is how I can put it. Uh-huh. But the weird and the not the weird, but the very sad thing is is that every time I talk about it, I get a, at least a few DMs of people that are like, "Hey, I went through this and my bishop said this and my stake president did this and Blah, 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 blah. Like, this, such a similar story to mine. Yeah, it's crazy. It's and sad. And it breaks my heart. Like, 
Like, dude, I literally could put a book together with all of the DMs that I've got from people. That's wild. Yeah, and that's how I know that it's still such an issue and that it's so good at being covered up. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, at what point do the leaders, like the bishop, stake presence go, hey, look, this is out of my, like, scope of (laughs) whatever scope of practice. I'm going to send you to a therapist or maybe I'm going to send you to the Relief Society president who maybe has more insight than I do. But, like, I don't know why they automatically jump to, like how they treated you and I'm like I'm sure thousands of others yeah (laughs) and that's really my like if I could change anything it would definitely be that there needs to be more resources for victims in the church and like that policy needs to be changed and the idea of sexual purity and how it's talked about in the church I see is such a big issue oh it's so bad Oh, it's so bad. I remember it's we did the so bad. Yeah, we did the gum, the chewed up yep, piece of the gum. gum wrapper. Yep, and I was like, "That is awful." And I told Jeff because Jeff was like, "Do they really do that?" I'm like, "Dude, I'm like, I had that in Young Women's, and like yeah. we also had a, a Young Women's leader. We all she like handed out like a she like showed up a like blank printing like piece of paper. She's like, "Is there anything wrong with this paper?" We're like, no, like it's good. It's not written on it's not like cut up it's not wrinkled she's like okay i want everyone to go around and like just mess it up somehow you can draw on it you can crinkle it up you can rip it whatever so we all went around the room and did that she's like this is what happens when you what did she say are like sexually impure or you are with multiple partners or you have sex before you're married i'm like that is awful like that is not how you should be teaching it because then if you do mess up or you do have sex before marriage or do you do other things before you're married, the person that did that and that's like the thing that comes in their mind is like, oh, I'm a crinkled up piece of paper that will never be the same and no one wants. It's like you get yeah. into such a bad mindset and it, it's, yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing is the young men don't get talks like that. Oh, they don't at all. And so it still puts young women and women in a box where it's, it puts all of the responsibility on your shoulders mm-hmm. and that we're told all the time that like we are responsible for men's thoughts, right? That's oh, what 100%. I grew up hearing a lot in young women's lessons. Yep. And so now I actively push against that. Oh, same. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wear what I want. Yep. And I am not responsible for how other men feel because if they apparently have the maturity or the ability to hold a priesthood or whatever then they should be mature enough to like not sexualize me well, exactly an and it's like if you honestly have that big of a problem with some girl dressing in quotes immodestly have you tried looking away <laughs> like yeah, have you tried like, not looking <laughs> or yes. just like controlling your own thoughts and not being like oh yes. that girl's wearing a tank top and she's making me think nasty thoughts it's like no that's oh actually you, you perverted freak like it's a shoulder calm down yeah also we are taught this at such a young age uh-huh. that i'm like whoa a 13 and 14 year old girl should never hear no. that she is making an old man an older man feel sexual towards her that yeah. is disgusting it's, and it makes you almost creeped out by older men or just men in general because yeah. you're like oh if i'm wearing short shorts is he thinking this thing about me and it automatically makes you feel uncomfortable like self-conscious yeah. like oh is he thinking this about me when 
he one he probably isn't or he shouldn't be but like if you teach men that it's the girl's problem then yeah the boys are gonna be like oh well it's not my fault that i'm looking because she is dressing that way and i can't control it because she's doing that like i have no no power over it and it's like actually you have all the power (laughs) and you just need to responsible for your own actions thank you sir yeah oh it's so (laughs) messed it's like that i don't remember who gave the talk in conference it was a few years ago i think but it basically said like women how you dress if you dress immodestly i'm not obviously doing it is it the one where they said you become yes yeah you become pornography i'm like are you kidding me that made me so mad oh it's so and that's so much of the like the policy issue that i have in the church Mm -hmm. is that first of all like by you even saying that, you're putting into the world that the church policies that women are sexual objects. Yeah. And secondly, that they're responsible for how men treat them and specifically how they view them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, that's that's gross. Yeah, that's no. not okay. And and then also, it still isolates women in this box that a woman has to be this pure little flower. Yeah. But a man, it doesn't matter because he's the man. Yeah. And it's just and it's like, out no of his control. What a man does. Yeah. yeah. And so that's my big issue. And I'm like, no. Yeah. I that's also like a whole nother layer to my religious trauma. But. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. There it's so messy. Like really, no matter where you start or where you end, I feel like it's just so messy. I've had talks with my husband and my husband's um like dad who is very much like into church like he's very i don't know what the word is churchy mormon whatever and it's so hard to talk because like i said he gets very defensive and then it makes me also get defensive because i'm like look you can't say that i'm wrong and you're right just like i can't say you're wrong and i'm right like it's such a yeah belief i don't know like you have to go based on how you feel like i feel like that's what a belief is like it's your feelings yeah but it is hard when there's certain topics like i feel like this to where they blame it on women where i'm like okay this you can't tell me that there's not a problem with that well that's messy i'm like you can't tell me that that's what you would tell your kid like if your daughter got sexually assaulted you'd go be like oh it's probably that shirt you were wearing it's like you gotta be kidding me girls get assaulted wearing literally like turtlenecks hoodies sweats like it doesn't matter what they're wearing it's the men that's gross and (laughs) just can't control his feelings it's like no yeah i just posted this really cool um real story thing on my story yesterday Mm -hmm. But it was this woman who put on a fashion show of oh yeah, all I the saw clothes. This. Yeah. yeah, of all the clothes that victims were wearing when they got assaulted. Yeah. And then you watch that and you're like, why are we still asking this question? And why are we still asking women the question of, well, what did you do? Yeah. You know, like why did you put yourself in that situation? It should never be that. It should honestly, and- if anything, it should just be like, Are you okay? Like what happened? Like, are do you need help? Like what can yeah. I do? Yeah, and my my goal and like dream for the church as a place would be to be just that, to focus yeah. on the person instead of be like, whoa, this is a problem. How do we yeah. mitigate this? Yeah. And to be like, okay, what resources do you need? Do you need to go to the hospital? Do we need to like 
do you need like are you safe do we need to move you places like all yeah. of those or even at least like have an active partnership with a third party mm-hmm. that that can help provide those or do something like that and at least be more willing to make the abuser hold more accountability and take accountability yeah instead of be like no no he's fine well and especially like they should have help for the victim like you were saying because in your situation they were like okay you wanted to switch wards and he said no you should be you should let him take the sacrament. Yeah. You should take the sacrament from him. <laughs> if anything, you're they're putting you in harm's way again exactly. by you. You get the consequence, but he gets none, and he's thinking in his head like, "Oh, she's still here." Like, I mean, you honestly yes. don't know what they're thinking. Like, they're gross to begin with, but like, if they did it once, and it sounds like he did it to another couple girls, it's like you really don't think he's gonna do it again. Yeah, but it's actually been really weird. Because now as the years have gone by and I've started really investing in myself of like Mm -hmm. processing and working through it, I have found different forms of spirituality. Yeah. And just like being outside and just even like meditating or just being present with my mind. Yeah. And like doing a lot of the hard work in therapy. And I'm like, whoa, maybe all I've needed all along isn't religion or god or the idea of a higher power maybe all i've needed all along is to just trust myself yeah and to just understand that if i am a daughter of god that i have that inherent worth regardless of a man's opinion of me yeah and that i don't have to be affiliated with a specific religion to retain that worth either Yeah, I love that. And it is true, like what you're saying. I feel like when you, not that you've left the church or whatever, but I do feel like when you kind of leave that idea behind of like what you thought it was and then your thoughts shift, I feel like you have so much openness to like explore and discover. And it's just like, oh, wow. Like I didn't even think of this before. I would have never tried this before. It's like like you have blinders on. Yeah, and it's actually been really cool because now I trust my my intuition a mm-hmm. lot more. Yeah. And if and if something doesn't feel good or if I have doubts, then I don't like I used to be like, Oh, I should pray about that to make sure what I'm feeling is right. Yeah. I don't do that anymore because I'm like, no, I totally trust myself and how I feel. Yeah. To know if this is a right or wrong thing for me to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love that. Me too. So are you, so how would you say that you got through that experience? I know now you said you kind of went through, um, like you found other ways to be spiritual and whatever, but did you ever have like, did you talk to like family members or did you go to therapy or how did you? Yeah, I mean, so like the first people I told were my mom and dad, mm-hmm. but we've never really like talked about it. Yeah. You know? Um, but I do go to therapy yeah. a lot. I still go at least once a month. Yeah. Like it's been like six years or whatever, and I still have to go once a month. And then, but the, honestly, the really, really hard thing after was I felt like I didn't have any control in my life and I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. And so I really spiraled for a long time after. And 
So I developed like a really bad like eating disorder and just like really disordered thoughts about eating in general because I was like, this is something I can control. Mm -hmm. I can always control what I eat. I can control what my body looks like. Yeah. And so I go to therapy for like trauma work and then I also still go to therapy for to like fix my relationship with food. Yeah. To be like, hey, I'm okay. This isn't something that I need to control. Like, I'm okay. Yeah. And, but honestly, my anxiety and nightmares and PTSD was so bad after. Oh, I'm sure. I, I tried like a mil, I tried, I swear, like every depression and anxiety medication. And I was like, holy cow, nothing is working. Yeah. But last year, um, when I felt like I was like, holy cow, I am actually crumbling. I discovered ketamine. Okay, I was wondering if this is what it was going to be. Yes. Ketamine, I still take it with um, an anxiety medication that I really like. Um, But ketamine totally changed my life. I don't even know how to describe it, but I do know that ketamine works by, like, it disrupts the neural pathways that you currently have for trauma or whatever and so that you're able to rebuild those responses in a healthy way so that you don't have the same traumatic reaction that you had before yeah and it honestly saved my life it has been the coolest thing ever and I think that everybody needs to do it that's what I've heard really good things about it and I know um, yeah I've talked to Jeff about it and I'm like I kind of would like to do that because I feel like there's things in my past where it's been like six seven years I'm like I feel like I should be over this by now but like for some reason certain things trigger it and like when it happens yeah it's like so hard to like get out of this like stupid like mindset that I'm in and then I get frustrated with myself because I'm like why am I still thinking about this why is it still bothering me it's been seven years and like I'm married I'm happy I have kids I'm like why is it still bothering me exactly so you said so do you have to go into an office to get ketamine treatments or do they give you like no yeah small so doses? you have to be you have to be monitored by monitored by a doctor the whole time okay that's what and i thought yeah so i go into the office and they put you in or at least where i go you're in your own private room mm-hmm. and then she has like a really nice recliner and paul's a sweetheart and he comes to every one with me mm. just because i feel yeah safe yeah. with him and so the whole thing lasts about two hours and I guess the only way that I can describe it is that I've never felt like I completely have been with myself a hundred percent until I did ketamine and then it it honestly is so cool because now I can hear things or I can have like a memory pop up for specific events and I don't have the same traumatic reaction or response that I had before yeah and I'm able to be like okay I acknowledge this emotion and I acknowledge this feeling and I'm okay yeah and I've those are things that I've never been able to have like I obviously still have a shit ton of work Mm -hmm. but from where I started it has been so transformative and so yeah I think that everyone should 
give it a go because yeah. it's so cool. So yeah, as you say, it sounds awesome. I want to try. I want to look into it more down here and see if they. I'm sure they offer it down here, but I just don't know. Yeah. So, when did you say that you started that? Ketamine? So I started. Oh crap. Um. Okay, not this March, but last March. Okay, and then how often do you do it? So for the first three or four weeks, I went twice a week. Okay. And then, and then I went once a week, and then you start to spread it out, like as long as you can go in between. Yeah. Um. And so I haven't been for a long time. And I'm still feeling really good, but you can really kind of start to feel, um, like when you need to go again. Yeah. And so that's just when I make an appointment. The crappy thing is, is insurance doesn't cover it. That's what I was going to ask if it did or not. Yeah, no, it doesn't cover it. So you pay it front in cash. Uh-huh. But after seeing the benefits then I'm like, I will pay, I will give you my kidneys. Oh, if for, you real? Want. <laughs> for real? Do so, you want my left tooth? I'll yeah, give but- you all of my teeth. <laughs> Like, I will go with dentures or I'll just go gummy. I'll be gummy for my life. Can we bring you lunch every day for a month? for real. Okay. So, when you... I listened to a podcast. I can't remember... Why am I blanking on it? Anyway, but this girl was talking about how she did ketamine treatments. And she said that it's called a K-hole. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, I've never heard that. Okay. One. How, wait, she how did she describe it? She said it's basically when you get, so she's saying how when you get ketamine, there's like a perfect dose that you get, like oh, that the doctor okay. yeah. gives you. And she said if you can, if you get too much, it can make you go into like this hole, basically, is what she was saying. And it makes you almost feel like you're not alive, but you're not dead. It's like a weird limbo. Okay. Yeah. I totally, I know what she's talking about. Okay. <laughs> But she called it a K-hole. I actually don't know. <laughs> that's what it's actually called, but that's what she said. So that's actually super normal to kind of dissociate from your body. Okay. Um, If you get too much ketamine, like if they give you too high of a dose, uh-huh. then you can have a really bad reaction and like a bad experience on ketamine. Yeah. But the doctor that I go to, she um, calculates your dose every single time based on your body weight okay. that day. Yeah and so that she never will give you she'll never give you too much yeah. like she'll always give you the appropriate amount for your body mass that's good and but it is such a weird feeling the first time oh i'm because sure you totally dissociate from yourself and so i forget that i have legs and that i have <laughs> arms and it's then like as you start <laughs> yeah. and then as you start to come out of it because you're just like reclined the entire time then you feel your muscles and your hands and your feet again and you're like whoa yeah i totally forgot about you guys like that this is, is crazy weird. yeah that's wild i'll have to look into that more because i'm definitely i've been hearing a lot more about it and just like how everyone that's done it that i've heard of it just said how amazing it is and how much they've benefited from benefited oh my from gosh it. yes oh Alyssa, you have to try it. I know. I'm you like, have to try it, and then you have to text me the very next day. Oh, I will. You're gonna be loopy for a while. Oh, I'm sure. So the next day, you have to text me. Oh, I will. Yeah, I'm gonna look into it. I'm act- I'll do that tonight. Like after we end, I'm gonna be looking into it, and I'll tell Jeff, and his little medical mind will also do it. So I'm like, <laughs> let's oh look gosh, into this. Yes. Yes. Okay, so let's go on to more lighter topic. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, that got you No, you're fine. I feel bad. I was just like, oh, I, okay, I don't 
hate talking about it. I hate it in the fact that you had to experience it, but I do feel like it's like good to talk and get your feelings out and whatever, but it oh, just totally. sucks that it happens, you know. Yeah, 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 no. I okay, so do you and Paul, what is your where do you see yourself in five plus years? Do you guys want more dogs? Do you guys want to try? Oh my gosh, that's so hard. Kids or what's your plan? You know, I, okay, so we really do want to have kids. We can't have kids naturally. So we're trying to figure out the whole adoption thing, uh-huh. which honestly is ridiculous. I was going to say that's another thing in, in, in and of itself. Yeah. And so um, I don't really know yet. Yeah. Um. So it kind of depends on that timeline. But honestly, if we are here doing what we're doing right now, then I will be just so content and so happy. Yeah. My my long-term goal um, is definitely to make it probably closer down to Salt Lake. Like, definitely keep the Logan house. Yeah. But I would just, just because we both work down there, I would love to buy a cute little house in a historic district in Salt Lake. Yeah, that would and be just sweet. like start that adventure. That would be so fun. That would be fun. It's all it's awesome moving. Like it is hard being away, but I'm like you're already. Kind of, I don't know where Paul's family's still in Boise, right? Yeah. So as I say, you're both already away from family, so you have that. But it's hard, like moving away from friends or even just where you've been for a while. But it is so fun to just go into a new area. Yeah, and like start fresh. Yeah. Like, start. You oh, get for a clean sure. Palette. You get. All of that fun stuff. And yeah. I think that that would be so fun. It really is. So that's, that's on my list. That's one thing I loved about moving away from like family and friends and just like everyone that knew me. It's like I, ca- I came down. I'm like, no one knows me. I could do whatever I want and no one would know yeah. if like I was being different or like whatever. Because like in Logan, if I changed and like I stopped going to church, people be like, oh, you stopped. But like if I came down here and it was just never in the question, they would just know me as that. And I don't have to yeah. try to, like, hide or, like, be, like, not sneaky intentionally, but, like, just try to, like, hide yeah. certain parts well, of you to you be. change and you grow into different versions of yourself. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so moving, I feel like, would kind of give you the opportunity to be your authentic person oh, with yeah. where you're at in your life at that moment. Yeah, and it's so much healthier mentally. I feel like it's so much mm-hmm. easier. <laughs> I feel like more, less pressure and just more happy dude yeah and i love where you guys are at because like okay so do winters down there get totally as gross as they do up here oh, or no, are they no, still no, kind no. of it's like that's what i thought literally christmas eve last year we went on a hike and i think i wore a long sleeve t-shirt like i don't think it was like cold <laughs> enough for a coat or anything i'm like i'm like taking pic- we we're in snow canyon and i'm like it's literally like 50 almost 60 degrees <laughs> and it's christmas eve yeah <laughs> like this so- is unheard of from cash valley yeah so for moving and then you guys get to experience cool new traditions Mm -hmm. like that and then you it's just fun yeah it's just fun fun. starting over sometimes yeah it really is so have you guys with adopting have you thought about like is it just a money thing or just timing or both or what i don't it is just so complex holy cow yeah um just because the whole matching process yeah i've heard is about also that. expensive and then putting in applications to more than one agency gets really pricey and then um it's just the logistics of that 
is yeah. is where it gets expensive. Yeah, that is. And hard. and then we even looked into recently we looked into like international adoptions and uh-huh. that process is is it even more insane. intense oh yeah there's like a million papers oh, man. so many verification just so much it's overwhelming on top it of really, like oh my gosh it is so overwhelming Dang. um and we thought about doing foster care for a little bit and so oh, we yeah. kind of started going through that process um I don't really know where we're at with that right now. Yeah. Because that's kind of a lot, too. Yeah, that would be so, a lot. I don't know, but I also haven't, haven't had the, like, that. I don't even know if it was like this for you, if you had, like, a feeling that it was your time to have kids. I don't really know what that feels like because I don't feel like I've had that. Yeah. That Honestly, feeling to be like, it's time. So I, I don't, don't even know. I don't feel like I necessarily, I mean, I always knew I wanted kids. And I love my kids, don't get me wrong, but I don't, I feel like a lot of it, I felt pressured just like culturally, because in Utah, people have kids really young. And yeah. so I had my first kid, I was 24, and I felt old, because I was like, my sister-in-law had one at 19, and like, I had friends that had some at 18, and like 20, and so I was like 24 with my first, so I'm like, I feel old, I'm going to be an old mom, but looking back, I'm like, why did I feel old? I'm like, literally... Jeff and I could have traveled more. We could have, like, just done more things alone. And that would have been great. I mean, like I said, I love having kids. They bring so much joy and happiness and, like, just a whole other different aspect of life. But I wouldn't say that I had, like, this crazy, like, I'm going to be a, like, I want to be a mom. Like, let's start now. You know what I mean? It was more kind of, like, culturally, like, oh, I think we're getting older. We need to have kids, which is so crazy. (laughs) like 24 is like a baby (laughs) yeah you know for real that's so young it is so young and so it's just like i wish going back if i had the choice i probably would have waited a little longer just to just i don't know just live life as a young married couple and just figure it out and but yeah i guess like people say you know and you know but i disagree i think sometimes you just go for it (laughs) And no, I, yeah, it was so funny the other the day. Wheel. The other day, Paul was in a work meeting, and they were asking get to know you questions. Uh-huh. And so they were like, "So tell us, do you have? What does your family look like? Do you have an animal? Do you have a pet? Do you have kids?" And Paul made this snarky joke, and he was like, "In this economy, no, I don't have any kids." <laughs> For and, real, though. And then the lady after him was like, "Yeah, in this economy, I actually have four kids." <laughs> That's so funny. thing I overheard and I was laughing so hard. Oh, that's so funny. Well, <laughs> I hope in the future if it works out for you guys or you guys decide. I think you guys would be such cute, good parents. Dude, I know for a fact our children would be feral, but that's <laughs> something I'm willing to live with. <laughs> you think? Why? It's like sassy or what do you mean? Probably <laughs> sassy. Paul and I have no impulse control. Yeah. And, like, we're like, hey, do you want to paint a wall? 9.30 on a Monday night? Yeah, sure. Let's go to Home Depot. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. I love that, though. Like that. I think it's good to be impulsive, though, at times. I mean, yes, to a limit. But I do think, to some extent, it it makes life more interesting and fun when you're that way. Because if it, you get with someone and they're like, mm, no. It's like, come on. Like, 
must do something. Let's no, do something yeah. crazy. So I feel like I need to find a healthy balance of that before, <laughs> before, before we. Oh, you that's know. amazing! Yeah, <laughs> I do think you guys would be good parents, though. Like Paul's all oh, like you were thanks. saying. Paul's just so nice. I do remember that so one nice. time we went over to your house. This was forever ago, and we made pizza. I think about this Dude, yeah. that pizza okay. to this and you day. You dominated that Jeopardy game. Oh yeah, you, my you one like crushed it. <laughs> oh that was fun i wish we didn't live so far okay well i'm so glad you decided to come on i was like asking i'm like do you i'm like i asked jeff i'm like do you think she would say yes i'm like i don't know do you know yeah and it's so fun to catch up it really is we haven't seen you guys since you guys moved oh i know it's been so long i know and so the only way that i keep up with you is on the socials yep (laughs) that's like me with everyone these days (laughs) Me like too. even my parents, I'm like they'll say something on like Snapchat, like "Oh, you went here." I'm like, "Yep." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, "Yeah, we can talk about it at Christmas." Yeah, but like I'll see you in a few months. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you again for coming on, and I hope to see you if you ever come down yes. or when we come up. I'll have to plan something. Okay, it's a date. Yep, planning on it. Okay, I love you so <laughs> much. Say, love you. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. That was Sydney's episode. I hope you guys liked it. I love her. She just, I don't know. I just like the way that she thinks about things and her outlook on life and just how she's gotten through hard times. And anyway, I hope you guys have a great Thursday. And also, I hope you have a good weekend. And I will talk to you later. Bye.